0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. We have so much to unpack right now. So much going on. We're going to jump right into it. Okay. Thank you, everybody who's listening. Today, we are talking about how to figure out how you should train your dog. Okay. This is how you should train your dog, not anybody else, not your trainer, not your neighbor, not your husband, not your wife, how you specifically should train your dog. There's a couple of key steps here to figure out what's right for you. Okay, What, what is the right training plan, the training regimen, the training style? What is the right training for you to have a better relationship with your dog? If this is the first time you have been here to the podcast, my name is Michael. I'm the owner of Matador Canine. I host the Acknowledged Dogs podcast. We put them out pretty regularly. I'm not going to say daily. when I say daily, I lock myself in, and I wish that I had the flexibility to do this every single day. I would do five episodes a day. Maybe I'll make this my full-time job, and I'll completely stop training dogs. I have the knowledge, and I just got to get it out there, and so this is why this podcast exists. If you have suggestions for later episodes, please let me know on any social media platform, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We're all over the place. YouTube. Drop it in the comments. Say, I want to hear this as a podcast. Do-do-do-do-do. Awesome. And we'll do it. But today we're talking about how to figure out what your training should be. Okay, Everybody wants to talk about the way to train, the way to do it, the only way to do it, the best way to do it, the most efficient way to do it. But that's not always your best way, your efficient way, right? The way that works the best for you. So you need to determine that. So first off, the, the first box that we have to mentally check off is whether you want to or not. Okay, if you don't want to train your dog, it's not going to happen. Now, if you're listening to this, I'm sh- hoping that you'd want to train your dog, or at least interested in the process of training your dog. Which means maybe your level of wanting to is fairly high. The higher up your level is of wanting to, the more likely you're going to. If you don't want to, but you feel obligated to, you're going to regret it and you're going to resent it. Right? Think about wanting to eat healthy. Well, I really want to eat healthy, but am I, do I really want to? Do I want it that bad enough when I'm going to forego the chocolate cake pop I just had? It was delicious, by the way. <laughs> right? Am I going to forego the chocolate cake pop to have a Caesar salad? Probably not. Now, maybe we'll just talk about diet today. You know I love talking about math, but we're not going to talk about math today. Maybe, maybe we'll, our analogies and everything will have to do with food and that kind of thing. So do you want to? Do you have a desire to want to train your dog? People that go above and beyond with their dog, they do trick titles, they do competitions, they do sport works, it's because they want to. They find it enjoyable. Sure, it might have started out as just a way to get their dog's energy out, but then they enjoyed it and they liked it. So do you want to train your dog is the first step. If you don't want to train your dog, maybe hiring somebody else to do it is going to get you, you know, 70% of the way there. Now you just have to do the remaining 30% to make sure your dog is responding the same way they were with that person with you. So, that being said, if you don't want to, you hire somebody. If you do want to, don't hire somebody. That means don't do a board and train just because you want your dog trained. It means don't pass your dog off to somebody to have them teach any behavior, whether they're coming to the house or a board and train or it's basic obedience, manners, reactivity. If you want to train your dog to the level that you do, right? We're talking about different scales here. That should mean you're going to do it because you want to do it. You want to have the relationship with your dog. You want your dog to listen to you. You want your dog to be the best that they can be with you regardless of what's going on in the scenario. So that's the first step. Do you want to or do you not want to? Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Now, that kind of transitions into our next mental checkbox, which is your level of commitment. If you really, really want to, but you're not committed, what does it matter? Right? I could want to do something my entire life. I've always wanted to jump out of the plane. Am I committed? No. Why? Because I get very, very sick. Motion sickness-wise, I don't think jumping out of a plane will be a good time. But I want to. It's on my bucket list. I have the same thing with riding a bull. I think that would be great. But my level of commitment just isn't there yet. At some point it will be. And I'm talking about level of commitment not as in, oh, well, do you want to do it or not to do it? That, That was the first step. Level of commitment is whether you actually follow through with it. If I wanted to go skydiving, I'm sure I could block out a time two months from now, schedule it, pay for it, have everything set up, take off for a week so I could, you know, relax before and afterwards, <laughs> whatever it may take, right? I, I could set these things up for my level of commitment. I'm committed to doing this. I'm going to make it happen. Think about the last time you were committed to going on vacation. Maybe it was a huge vacation. Maybe it was a small vacation you plan this in advance, you get everything set, you request off from work, you have, you know, extra savings just in case something were to go wrong, you have a backup plan to your backup plan to your backup plan, you have an itinerary, your level of commitment is huge. And because you have a high level of commitment, you're willing to go all the way with it. This is different than wanting to do something, because if you have a low level of commitment, but you want to do it, you're going to do it once a month, maybe once a week, Definitely not every day. If your level of commitment is high, which I love seeing in dog owners, you're going to train your dog every day, whether it's raining, whether it's snowing, whether you want to or not, right? Because you are committed to this dog. Some of the greatest committed dog owners are reactive dog owners, and I love them for it. Some owners that have reactive dogs don't care. They're like, OK, I'm just going to manage the entire situation, which is still a level of commitment. Okay, Managing the situations are still a level of commitment, but you have the level of commitment that goes above that. So Their level of commitment is tailored towards managing the situation, making sure that the behavior doesn't become worse. The other level of commitment is learning, educating yourself, practicing with your dog in and outside of these stressful situations setting up scenarios that are conducive to learning, all of those things take a huge level of commitment. And this is why professionals get paid a lot to come to your house or do a board and train, because they're going to put in the level of commitment, because they care about the dog, they love the dog, and they're also getting paid. It's part of their job. So there's a high level of commitment. Are you going to get a 100% fully trained dog from a board and train? No. But you at least have somebody who's who wants to do it and has a high level of commitment. Now we move on to our third box. Would this be better as a hobby? Weird question, right? A lot of times I see dog trainers who were just dog owners who fell in love with the training theory and the psychology of it and the sports and the hobby and the entire world of dog training and they think the next logical step is to become a trainer oh, well, I know all this information and I seem to be giving out all this advice when I talk to people. Maybe I should charge people money for it. But that might not necessarily be necessary, right? Some people are destined to be dog trainers. Some people are destined to train dogs. And some people are destined to have this as a hobby. Now, I'm not saying you need to put yourself in a box. You can change, you can move around. I've known dog trainers who I get to a certain point in their life and they say, okay, I'm kind of done doing this. I don't want to do this anymore, so I'm going to do it as a hobby. Okay. Or they switch directions, where instead of their uh, training dogs, they're now teaching people. They're dog trainers to people. Excuse my sniffling if you hear it. My apologies. It is cold in my office, and if I put the heater on, you will hear the heater. So my apologies for sniffling. So would this be better as a hobby? If you're training your dog out of tricks, that's kind of a hobby. Okay if you're going to, if you have a huge level of commitment and you really want to, you could do titles with it, but not everybody wants to do titles. Okay, I personally know the world and have trained in the world and have trained people to be in that world, but I have not explored into titling my dogs. It's just not something that I find a huge reward for me. It's just not. Maybe one day it will. I'm sure I could change. Maybe there's this very specific sport that I just haven't put the time into. I can tell you right now, scent detection would be lovely for me. Okay, PSA, those kinds of things, a bite work. I would love to do those competitions. I just haven't. So tricks or sport work, that might be more of a hobby for you. Okay, That doesn't mean you need to become a dog trainer. doesn't mean you need to take on dogs that have behavioral issues. It just means this is a hobby for you. I know plenty of people who host classes online. They do it for free, and they just do it for fun. They're not trying to make money off you. They're not a professional dog trainer. They're not trying to give out advice. They're just hosting a class for fun. And that's fantastic. If you do that with your dog, that's great. Even if you take one of those classes with your dog, that's great. (laughs) The last box that we're going to talk about before we get into uh, a really deep topic is are you in it for the result or the process? this is gonna determine how you kind of train Okay, if you're in it for the result a board and train or getting to the result as fast as humanly possible might be your training method whatever that method may be depending on what you're doing right The things change but if you're in it for the process you're gonna to try to understand as much as you can You're going to try to understand the ins and outs of why your dog is doing something and how we can manipulate the scenario to create more success. Right? So you need to determine what side of the coin are you on. Are you on the result side? where I just want my dog to stop pulling on leash. Or I want to learn how to teach my dog to walk next to me. Those are very different. I want my dog to stop pulling on leash. I want my dog to enjoy walking next to me. I want to learn how to get my dog to enjoy walking next to me. You can feel the difference in them. And some might say that one requires a certain mental attitude and the other one is another mental attitude. right? I want my dog to stop pulling on leashes out of frustration and anger and being upset. Those are all negatives which might be associated with using punishment because you're frustrated. right? And I'm not condoning using punishment when you're frustrated, that is the worst time to do it, but that's when most people do it or they resort to punishment. So, on the other side, I want to learn how to build a better relationship with my dogs so they walk nicely. Wish me. Wish me. Wish me. <laughs> they walk nicely with me. That might mean positive reinforcement. Okay, they might be playing. They might be randomizing a treat schedule. All of those things that we talk about in this podcast go along with building a better relationship with your dogs so that you can walk nice on leash without really worrying about the outside environment. Right? Okay, so we've gone through our four main kind of checkpoints. Now we're going pretty deep, okay? But I want to go back over those four. So do you want to? Is your level commitment low or high? Is this more of a hobby? And are you focused on the results or the progress? If you happen to be listening to this with headphones at a coffee shop, I want you to write those down. Write those down, and I want you to put 1 through 10 next to it and circle where you are at on the the spectrum, if you will, okay? We're gonna take a brief break, and then we're gonna come back with what satire mode are you? Stay tuned. All right, so now we're getting into the satire modes. Now, there's five satire modes, okay? There's hater, blamer, distractor, computer, and leveler. First, you need to determine which one of those you are, and the best one, I'll tell you right out of the gate, is the leveler, okay? The leveler is the best person to train a dog, period. To communicate with somebody else, to work with any animal. A leveler is the best kind of person. If you have a significant other who is a leveler, you're probably in heaven. <laughs> okay? Okay, so let's go through it. A placator, You probably know a placator. It's the person who will do anything to resolve a situation, but most likely is going to take on the blame themselves. So they're going to say, it was my fault. You know, I didn't have the right rewards, or, you know, I, I, my timing was wrong. And they, they put all the blame onto them when that might not be the case, okay? Now, here's the interesting part, and you'll notice this as we go through the satir modes. What's interesting is that the placator is not necessarily interested with solving the main issue, okay? I'm going to leave it at that. We're going to get into who does solve the main issue later, <clears throat> So with the placater, when you're training your dog, any number of things could come up, right? If you've watched our podcast on the influences of behavior, you know there's five. I know. Five seems to be a huge number in dog training. Four and five and—four, and <laughs> five, and six seem to be huge. Four quadrants of learning. It's Five influence of behavior, five's of tier mode, six influences of behavior. Five's a tier mode. Six fluencies of behavior. Even the a division of six, you could say three, three, four, five, and six. Maybe we could just find (laughs) something for every number. And I know I said I wasn't going to do, yeah, in the beginning of the episode, I said I wasn't going to use math. And here we are. We're using math. I said we were going to use food. Okay, let's go back to food. So it's a tier mode. Let's say I was cooking a dish. This evening, I made ravioli. Not ravioli, tortellini. I'm Italian. I got to get it right. I made tortellini with uh, chicken shrimp and pep chicken shrimp, chicken sausage and pepper filling. It was absolutely delicious, although I probably could have gone thinner on the tortellini. I know you didn't listen to this podcast to hear about my cooking episodes and adventures, but here we are. Tangent as always. So when you're making a dish and somebody tries it for the first time, okay, if you are not confident in the dish, let's say it's the first time you've ever made something, you might take the blame onto yourself. Oh well, I didn't read the recipe right. Oh, I, you know, I left it in the oven too long. I didn't roll out the pasta thin enough. Whatever it may be, you are placating. You are trying to make everybody feel good in the scenario, but you're not solving the issue, right? The next time you go to make this dish, you're not going to be thinking about what you did wrong. You might, okay, but that would be solving the issue, which we're going to get to later. So that's the placator. Step beyond the placator, or just the ne- the next version, the next satire mode, if you will is a blamer, okay? A blamer is somebody who literally puts blame on somebody else. You you definitely know this person, okay? You know this person, you've hung out with this person, and you know this person who trains a dog. They will blame the dog for practically everything, okay? This is the person who says, well, the dog doesn't know what they're doing, the dog's not paying attention, the dog's not focused, the dog doesn't have a high drive, the dog's too lazy, the dog's stupid. That's blaming, 100% blaming. You are blaming the dog who has no control over the situation. You are blaming the dog for failing. Which, right? If we were to go back to a placator, they're very opposite. Placator takes the blame. Oh, I didn't set the dog up for success. Blamer would say the dog's stupid. See the difference? Okay. So let's say you were cooking. Let's say I made my tortellini and I gave it to somebody. And I was like, ooh, you know, try it. And they tried it. And I wasn't going to take the blame for it. Because my tortellini is fantastic. I would blame them, right? I would say, you don't know what real tortellini should taste like. You've just had the artificial version. Okay, that's blaming them. I could blame the tortellini. I could say, well, you know, tortellini is supposed to taste like that. That's what it is. You know, I could I could blame the, the season. I could blame that they had COVID so they don't have taste buds. I could blame anything else, but I'm not taking the blame for it. It's not solving the issue. The issue might be they just didn't like tortellini. Okay, in dog training, the issue might actually be the dog's just not ready to work in that environment, and you're putting them in a situation that they can't handle. But I digress. We'll get to that in a little bit. So that's a blamer. You're literally just blaming. It's super simple. So now we get to a computer. Okay, A computer is someone who's very analytical. They will look at the entire picture. I'm a very analytical person. They will look through the entire picture and try to scientifically and objectively figure out what the problem was. Okay. But, yet again, they're not interested in solving the problem. They're not interested in solving the problem. They're only interested in figuring out why it might not have worked, but they're not posing a solution. Okay, So let's say our dog is reactive, barking at another dog, and we're working at 20 feet. Objectively, analytically, they're going to say, oh, well, 20 feet was too close. That's the reason our dog didn't succeed. Our dog did not succeed because we were working at 20 feet I did not have a high-value reward. I've done a preference testing, and I wasn't using the proper reward value for this scenario, for this exercise, right? The dog was moving too much. The dog was close. Now, it's it's slightly blaming. Could be. Right? We, could, we could be dabbling into the blaming, but really it's analytical. The dog was moving at too fast of a rate for my dog to focus. Insanely analytical, not solving the problem, though. Then we have the worst person. And if you are this person, I'm sorry. You might not realize you're this person, especially if now I'm calling you out. You're going to do this thing in order to stop from being called out, okay, not taking the blame. This is called a distractor. When I was in college, my professor who was teaching us this said the only dog a distractor should have is a stuffed dog, a stuffed dog, okay? What does that mean? A distractor will go through placating, blaming, and computing, again, not solving the issue at hand, in order to stay out of the problem. So, let's say you're training your dog. And they're reacting. I always go, I always go to reactive dogs. Let's do something different. Let's say your dog's not walking nice. Okay, they're pulling too much or they're stopping too much, whatever it is. They're just not walking well next to you. There's no distractions, there's nothing going on. And someone calls you out on it, or you call yourself out on it. You're going to go through, well, you know, I I just don't have good timing. And maybe it's the dog's fault. You know, they're just, they're stupid. And maybe it's the weather. They're just, you know, they didn't get out enough, whatever it may be. So you're going to go through those three, especially if someone else is calling you out on it. And you're going to distract the person from being able to attack you. It's a defense mechanism. But you are not interested in solving the problem. And we can never get down to the root of the problem because we keep dancing around in this circle. We keep going back and forth. You go to blamer, to computer, to placate, to computer, to blamer, to computer, to placate. We just keep going around and dancing and dodging all of these things. And I know almost immediately when I'm working with a client or another dog trainer if they're a distractor. And the only way to get through to them is to stop them because they will go through this endless loop of trying to figure out how to stay out of the problem. And we just, okay, let's get back on to the task at hand. This is the reason, right? I I could clearly state that this is the reason something's happening and they can still blame something else, placate, right? If I were to say, okay, your timing's off, we just need to work on your timing, they could blame the clicker. Oh, well, I push the clicker and it doesn't go right away. Okay, well, let's get you a different clicker. I get him a different clicker. Then I say, okay, cool. Your timing's still a little late, right? Because the main problem is the timing. And then they'd say, no, my dog's just not paying attention. Okay, let's work in a smaller, you know, a slightly distract, a uh, slightly less bleh, words. My goodness, a less distracting environment. Let's work in a less distracting environment, so that our dog can engage more. We do that. Right? So we've, we've handled all the objections, if you will. If you're you know in sales, you know the words objections or if you're defensive, right? You're just trying to you're trying to keep your pride and ego intact and you're not willing to give up and admit your fault. So you're distracting the other person from doing that. So let's say you're out for a walk with your significant other, right And they walk the dog very different from the way you walk the dog. They're gonna start calling out and nitpicking all of these things. Possibly because you guys are doing training or something and one of you is sticking with it and one of you isn't. I'm not saying who's who. You guys can fight about it over dinner. <laughs> okay? I'm not saying who's who's training and who's not. I'm just saying there's a possibility that, right, that's a possibility that, that happens. Our, people argue. Couples argue about the dog training. So if one of you's sticking with it and one of you's not, the one who is sticking with it is going to call out the one who's not. And if they're a distractor, it's practically no hope unless you know how to talk to a distractor. Okay? Now, the best, the best person to train a dog is a leveler. Sounds simple, right? It's a leveler. If you know anything about zodiac signs, that's a Libra. Now, not every Libra is a leveler, but... And you could work towards being a leveler. If you know you're a distractor or a placator or a blamer or a computer, you can be a leveler. You just have to practice it. A leveler... 100% focuses on solving the problem, and will do whatever's necessary to solve the problem. Okay, it's the only one that tries to solve the problem. And you could say, oh, well, I'm trying to solve the problem. Are you trying to solve the problem actually? Or are you trying to solve, quote, the problem? Meaning, let's say we're placating, and I say, oh, your timing's off. And you go, oh, yeah, my man, my timing's off. I'm just, you know you think you're solving the problem by placating and saying, yep, nope, it's totally me, but you're not doing anything to practice fixing the problem. So a leveler will call out exactly what is necessary in that moment. Okay, so is it the person? Is it the dog? Is it the scenario? Do we not have the night, the right reward? Right, what is the actual concrete reason that we can have facts and back up? Right, we have statistical evidence that suggests that that is the reason. Then we can actually solve the problem. Now, why am I bringing up the satire modes when I'm talking about figuring out how you should train your dog? If you know which satire mode you are, you know whether you're the right person or not to train your dog. Now, I fully agree with myself, as my professional opinion, (laughs) I agree with myself, of course I do, right? That you are the best person to train your dog. I agree with that, right? You are the best person to train your dog. You have the rapport. You have the foundation. You're with them 99% of the time. Right? Nobody else has taken your dog unless you do a board and train, which we've already talked about, is not getting you 100% of the way there. You have all the resources in the world to train your dog. If you do not know which satire mode you are, you cannot be honest with yourself and train your dog to the level that they should be able to be trained to. Okay? If you are a leveler, you understand what the problem is, how you can fix the problem, and you can actually get to a successful result. If you don't become a leveler, let's say you're not a leveler, if you don't become a leveler, you're going to be stuck in this finite system of placating, blaming, computing, and distracting. Okay, So it doesn't matter how into it you are. It doesn't matter if it's going to be your hobby. It doesn't matter if you're focused on results or process. It doesn't matter of your level of commitment. Now, if your level of commitment is high, you're going to try to be a leveler. Okay, If this is your hobby, you're probably going to placate because it's not that serious, right? You're like, oh, well, I, you know, I just haven't practiced much. Okay. Are you gonna are we going to set up a plan to practice more? Because then that would be a leveler, right? A blamer would say, oh, I'm just too busy. I'm way too busy. I got so much going on. I got the kids. I got school. I got, you know, taking the kids to soccer practice and all that stuff. That's a blamer. You are blaming all of these other excuses as to why your dog's not performing the way that you want them to. You want them to behave. You want them to be well-mannered, you gotta practice, right? Is what it is. I've heard people blame everything under the sun. Everything under the sun. So if you're blaming anything, you're a blamer. And you could change this day to day, depending on how you feel in that day. Right? If you don't have the mental fortitude and wherewithal to be a leveler that day, maybe you don't train that day, and that's okay. You can skip a day. From from a professional dog trainer, I'm telling you to skip a day. Okay, because if it's going to hurt your success, why would you do it? right? Success is supposed to be progressive. You're supposed to keep getting more and more success as you go through something. right? If I'm learning the piano and I'm mastering a skill, mastering the scales, mastering the progressions, then I move on to the harder things and then I start to master those. and Then I move on to the harder things. I, I should be building up my successes, which will build up my confidence. Confidence is built through repetitive success. So, if I'm not getting that success because I'm frustrated one day or I'm lazy or I'm tired or whatever it is, and I'm blaming the piano, which makes no sense, then why would I practice the next day and the day after that and the day after that? Because it's no fun. So, if you're not getting success with your dog, just know that you can pause for a minute. You can take a day off. You can take a breather. You can take a mental health day, if that's what you want to call it. Go get your nails done. Go hit some golf balls, whatever it needs to be. And when you're ready, I was talking to a trainer the other day. He said the amount of energy he puts into every training session wears him out at the end of the day. He has a full-time training job, and when he gets home, he does very minimal with his dogs. His dogs are already well-behaved. They're slightly older, so he can just relax and enjoy them, the company with them. And they play fetch in the morning before he goes to work. But he said the amount of energy and thought process that still goes into training, he's been doing this for years, years, the amount of energy he still puts in, to every single training session to make sure that that dog is getting the best quality training possible. Now, he trains service dogs, so it's very important for him and the dog to know exactly what they're doing because it's going to be in somebody else's hands for the rest of that dog's life. So he has to set a really strong foundation for the first year of that dog's life. So, basically what I'm saying is, you need to determine how bad you want to train your dog, your level of commitment, if you want this to rather be a hobby, whether you're focused on the results or the process, and what tier mode you are. If you can do that, if you can honestly do those things, then you are far, far further along than any average dog owner. And you can start to keep track of that. And you can start to rate how you're doing every day in your training notebook. If you don't have a training book notebook, you should get a training notebook. We'll probably be coming out with a training notebook soon, I hope. <laughs> I hope as if I am if I have to meet with somebody. It's just me, guys. <laughs> it's just me. I have to come up with it. You know what? I'm coming up with it. By the end of the week, I'm recording this on Tuesday morning now. It it was Monday night, but now it's Tuesday morning. By the end of this week, there will be a Matador Canine training notebook. You heard it here first on Acknowledge Dogs podcast. Matador Canine notebook. By the end of the week, head over to matadorcanine.com and get your training notebook. Now when you get your training notebook, okay, besides your training notes that should be in there, I want you to write your level of commitment and energy level and, and whether you're focused on the results of the process that day and see how it goes, right? If you wanna change something, you need to measure it, you need to track it, you need to be objective about it. If you wanna change something, you have to measure it. It's the only way you're gonna see progress. So if you track it and you go, okay, my level of commitment has been at a six, great. Or your level of commitment is at a three. Great. Now you know. Okay? And you should figure out what your satire mode is. Just record. You can even have somebody film you. And I want you to... this, This is how you figure out somebody's satire mode. Okay? I think we're going over 30 minutes here, but that's okay. This is how you figure out somebody's satire mode. I want you to wrongfully accuse somebody. Wrongfully accuse somebody. And whether they placate, blame, compute, distract, or are honest with you will determine... Which satire mode they are, so you're going to have somebody do it to you. Now you can't know about it because you're going to be biased. So have somebody come up to you, record you maybe, put it in you know their their chest pocket or put it in their their pocket or something just to record you because you're not going to believe it afterwards, especially if you're a distractor. Right? They're going to be like, oh, you're a distractor. You're going to be like, no, I'm not. Your test is wrong, right? They're going to blame it. They're going to say, oh, you didn't do it right. You didn't, and they blame it, right? So we're going to keep going back and forth. <laughs> you got to record these things. you got to write them down. you got to keep them objective. And if you need to go back to listen to this podcast, I think it was about halfway through we started talking about satire modes. Satire modes are great. There is a book about it, and I I don't think it's being published anymore. So maybe I can get that published. Now that I'm saying it, I feel like I have to do it. So maybe I'll get it republished, and uh, it'll be an editor's copy or something. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, so once you know those things, you can progress a lot faster in your training. And if you know what type of training you need to do, whether you need to commit to every day, once a week, whether you need to have a coach who's personally going to keep you accountable, whether you're going to send them off to a board and train and then try to keep the management going. right? A board and train should teach the basics, but now you have to manage the behaviors or maintain the behaviors rather. Listen, know what type of training is best for you. That is a process you have to figure out over the span of your training career or journey, if you will. But once you do, it becomes so much more rewarding and so much more fulfilling. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. I know it was slightly longer than usual, slightly longer than usual. We had some good conversations about satire modes and how to help you figure out how you should train your dog. If you have more questions, if you have suggestions for podcast topics, let me know on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, all of the good stuff. We are everywhere. Please share with family and friends, and I'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you think family or friends would benefit from what you heard today on Acknowledged Dogs, please share it with them. You can post it on Facebook. We are also on every social media platform, so make sure you tag us, Matador Canine. You can also head over to Matador Canine and schedule a free consultation to talk about coaching and reaching the goals with your dog and those problem behaviors reach the goals that you want and have the dog that always listens. Thank you.